Welcome to the NASCAR Field Filler Podcast. Check out our new website for all your news, updates, and episodes at NASCARfieldfiller.com. We have one spot left in the field, so let's fill up the last row with our host, Vanilla Wafers. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the back of the field. This is Vanilla Wafers, and thank you for tuning in to the Field Filler Podcast. All-Star Weekend is now in the books. We just went to Texas Motor Speedway for the first ever time for the All-Star Race. And to be honest, it wasn't really that bad. I personally enjoyed it. It it had everything that we wanted to see. Good, close action racing, side-by-side, a little bit of strategy, gambles. It's everything you kind of look for in an All-Star Race. There's a few things that were kind of negative about the race, but we'll get into that shortly. But it wasn't just the all-star race that we had this weekend. We had the 11th truck race of the season done at Texas Motor Speedway, as well as the Xfinity race, both of them happening on Saturday, and then also the SRX race. Why don't we touch on that one a little bit before we get into the truck series in the Xfinity race? That SRX race was really, really impressive. I was actually quite surprised what they were able to do down there at Stafford Raceway. Because I'm going to be honest with you guys, I did not feel like this uh, league was going to be as great as everyone thought it would be. Yeah, I thought it would be really cool to see some of these uh, drivers that we've seen throughout the years run back again in the same league now. But I didn't really feel like the racing would be too action-packed or anything like that. I don't know why I thought that because, my goodness, it felt like they did everything right down there. Like, everything that NASCAR should be looking at, they've already just done here in this first race. You know, great camera angles, great announcing, um, great interaction with the fans. I mean, they did a driver meet and greet. Everyone who was in that race, you don't ever get that in NASCAR. It's really hard to find some of those drivers to be able to talk to them, get an autograph from them. They don't do that that much. These guys, every single driver was there. They even had a really cool pace car. I thought that was great. They had two heat races and then a smaller main event. I think that's an idea that NASCAR should look at. The fun flag, eh, well, I I don't know too much about the fun flag. I mean, that's going to cause a lot of controversy no matter which way you look at it. But Doug Kobe, the local kid down there who races around there all the time, was able to get the victory against Greg Biffle, Tony Stewart, Helio Castroneves, and Bobby Labonte. That was the final results on the top five. This is like results that you would see in the mid-2000s, excluding Helio Castroneves and Doug Kobe. It, It was just great. It was a great nostalgia feeling. And you know what? They might give NASCAR a run for their money. I'm not talking about the Cup Series, but definitely the viewership for the Trucks and Xfinity Series. You bet NASCAR is going to pay a lot of attention to that because this series is slowly going to make its way up to compete against the Cup. It's not going to be within the next year or so. That would be kind of really optimistic to see that. But if they can compete against the Truck Series and the Xfinity Series, NASCAR might be in trouble right here with this startup league because I'm going to be honest with you, even though there was only 12 cars, 12 cars, and one of them went off the racetrack really early, Bill Elliott, I still had fun watching it. And I bet there was a lot of other fans who had a really great time watching it as well. So if you get an opportunity, go on to YouTube, try to find this SRX race, because it was just a really fun race to watch. Well done by these guys, and I can't wait to see what they do in Knoxville. But we'll come back to that at a later time. Let's focus on the final results from the Texas races, including from the trucks all the way up to the cup. Let's first start off with the truck series with the annual Speedy Cash Doc. 220.
Alrighty, so in this race, we didn't have anyone fail to qualify. Everyone was able to make it in since they only had 36 trucks entered into this race. There was a total of six cautions for 38 laps and 15 lead changes among seven different drivers. We did have some high-quality cup drivers. We had Ross Chastain and even Chase Elliott compete in this race. But in the end, though, it's been the guy that's been dominating every single truck race so far this year, and that is the number four of John Hunter Nemechek, getting another win for Kyle Busch Motorsports and just dominating the truck series here in Texas. Finishing second is the number 24 of Chase Elliott. In third place, we have the number 98 of Grant Infinger. Finishing fourth is number 16 of Austin Hill. Finishing fifth, the top finishing rookie, the number 18 of Chandler Smith. In the sixth spot, we got the number 21 of Zane Smith. Finishing seventh is number 38 of Todd Gillen. Finishing eighth, we have the number 26 of Tyler Ankrum. Finishing ninth is number 15 of Tanner Gray. Round up the top 10, we got the number 25 of Josh Berry. Some noticeable drivers who finished outside the top 10. We have Carson Hosevar in the number 42, just barely finishing outside in the 11th position. We also had Brandon Poole make his debut back into the truck series after a long hiatus. He finished just 14th in that number 30 machine and also scored quite a few stage points. Good run for him. The number 22 of Austin Wayne South, he finishes 15th. Not a spectacular race weekend, but still an alright one. Matt Crafton kind of struggled in this race. He finishes 20th overall in that number 88 machine. Haley Deegan was actually having a good run in that number one, but with a late pit problem, I can't remember what it was. They finished 24th with Ben Rhodes in the number 99, not too far behind, and 26th. And rounding out the field from 32nd on back, these are some big names here. The number 51 of Drew Dollar from an accident from lap 68. Stuart Friesen in the number 52, also with an accident on lap number 52. And then Sheldon Creed spinning out twice in that number two machine. On By lap number 18, he was done. He finishes 35th. And then we have Ross Chastain in the number 45, finishing 36. You may remember him from the front, but unfortunately he did not pass post-race inspection, so he gets disqualified and is credited for finishing in the last position. And that's your final results here in the Speedy Cash 220 at Texas. So this race, one of the biggest things that popped out was first off, John Hunter Nemechek still keeps on dominating. I still think it was an amazing idea for him to go back down to the truck series and move his way back up. Because now he's looking super impressive. These are like almost Kyle Busch numbers. And he's beaten Kyle Busch quite a few times here in these truck races. So well done to John Hunter Nemechek. He's now in really good equipment. And now it sounds like he's basically getting ready to move into a role in the Xfinity Series next year with Joe Gibbs Racing. I think he's going to do phenomenal there as well. He's just a superb driver all around. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets back into the Cup Series here in a couple years. And actually is a good contender when he's with good equipment. Because look at him with KBM. Four wins already in a matter of 11 races. That is so damn impressive. And those are some great numbers. He's definitely going to be running for the championship. And then above all, he's faced off people like Kyle Busch and now Chase Elliott and Ross Chastain. Ross Chastain running for the championship not too long ago here in the truck series. And he almost won it even though he missed the first few races because he was not going for the championship down here. Then he decided to switch it out and he almost won the championship. Chase Elliott, we already know how dominant of a driver he is. He's the most recent recent Cup Series champion, and John Hunter Nemechek was still able to hold them off. Well done on him. That's all I gotta say is keep an eye on John Hunter Nemechek here. We won't see him that far away from the Cup Series that much longer. But the one thing that a lot of people were talking about this race was the PJ1 compound. I know we talked about this just a couple weeks ago, but it's back again on our minds, and now we know why, because 
Gosh, it, it claimed a few more victims in this race. I'm not going to lie. I mean, Sheldon Creed got claimed twice, but then he had other drivers struggling throughout the race just with this compound. It's not sticking in that early. And unfortunately for these truck series drivers, they're the ones who get the brunt and force of it because there's no practice beforehand for any of the top series. So basically, they're going on there with the PJ1 compound just freshly put on. And that, that stuff is slick at first. It, it takes a while for it to pack in for it to be a drivable lane. Other than that, it's just a danger zone. And unfortunately here for the truck series, they've just been the casualties here. They've always been the first ones to go out there and kind of take the blunt force of this, which is a real big bummer for these guys because lots of these teams are really small teams. They don't need to be wrecking trucks out there. Yes, I know the Cup Series is way more expensive and it's also very costly when a team owner loses a car there, but down here in the Truck Series, a lot of these guys, they only got one or two trucks. That's about it. They're super small teams, so when they get claimed on one of these PJ1 traction compounds because it's not packed down all the way, that there goes their season. And we can't have that. Luckily, in a sense, I, I say luckily, but still, it's still bad luck. It was mostly top teams that really lost cars this weekend, except for Ray Cicerelli. But I don't think anyone's really too hurt about Ray Cicerelli. If you remember, he decided to stop racing because he was pissed off that the Confederate flag was gone. So whatever for him. But for other drivers, I mean, it's really worrisome. We don't want to see them just wreck because of a super slick track that doesn't really need to be that slick. Um, we're going to see, we're going to talk about this a little bit more in the main, uh, all-star race, but really other than that though, this PJ one compound, it really affects the truck series really negatively. There's just no other way to put it. And until we have like practice or something before, um, the truck series race, this is going to be a continual problem at mile and a half, wherever they put this down. So this race wasn't, it was a pretty good race. It was great to see John Hunter Nemechek get the victory. But, you know, with that plague right there with the PJ1 compound, it really does bring the race uh, down. So, eh, kind of in the lower end for this race for me. Now let's move on. Let's hope we get some more positive news from the Osco Uniforms 250. It's the 14th race of the Xfinity Series. Alrighty, let's look at a few statistics here from this race before we get into the final results. We had a total of two cars miss this race. It was the number 13 of Timmy Hill and the number 77 of Dylan Bassett. Timmy Hill is now missing the race in that number 13 car because Jordan Anderson got a few top series drivers like Tyler Reddick and Josh Berry into his number 31 car the last few weeks. So now he is in the top 40 in points, moving the number 13 out in case you were wondering there. But we had 10 cautions for 52 laps and we also had uh, 14 lead changes amongst eight different drivers. Most of the people who led the race finished in the top six, top ten. And in the end, though, it was Kyle Busch in the number 54 getting his 99th victory here in the Xfinity Series. Just a dominant, dominant driver all the time when it comes down to the series. He is the winner once again here at Texas in that 54 Joe Gibbs Racing Machine. Finishing second, we have the number seven of Justin Allgaier. Finishing third is the number 22 of Austin Sindrick. Finishing fourth, we have the number 18 of Daniel Hemrick. Finishing fifth, we have the number 19 of Brandon Jones. Finishing sixth, we have the number 16 of AJ Allmendinger. Finishing seventh is the number nine of Noah Gregston. Finishing eighth, we have the 0-2 of Brett Moffitt. In ninth place, we have the number 11 of Justin Haley. Round out the top 10, we got the number one 
of Michael Annette. Some noticeable drivers who finished outside the top 10. We got Josh Berry in the number 8. He finishes 19th in this race. Wasn't ever really a front runner. Harrison Burton in the number 20 gets into a late accident due to the PJ1 compound. He wrecks on lap number 163 and he finishes 30th overall in this race. Tough blow to him. Jeb Burton in the number 10. He also got into some problems early in the race. He finishes 32nd. Myatt Snyder right behind him in the number 2 finishing 33rd. And Jordan Henderson, the driver I just mentioned, he actually had problems getting the car going at the beginning. It took him about 30 plus laps before he could get back out onto the field for the start of the race. He was starting the race already 30 laps down. Then round out the field in the 40th position. Doesn't even get a lap done. That is the number 74 Bailey Curry out to electrical problems. And that is your final results here for the Osco Uniforms 250. So this race was a little more chaotic than the truck race in a sense. I mean there was a lot more action per se. First things first, Kyle Busch just super dominant one more race away I remember a few years ago when he said he would get a hundred victories he would call it quits in the Xfinity series so one more victory he might do it next weekend at Nashville because he is on the entry list but once again dominates another race Justin Allgaier and Austin Sendrick and Daniel Hemrick were all right there near the end but just wasn't able to beat the 2015-2019 Cup Series champion so Overall, these guys put up a good battle here in the front. The top six could have all been worthy contenders here in this race. Josh Berry in the number eight. The reason why I brought him up was a noticeable driver because he took out two drivers in this race. He took out both Jeb Burton and Myatt Snyder, both coming off the exit of turn number two. I don't know what his deal was. I don't know if he was just getting a lot of speed on the back end, but he took out two top quality drivers, drivers who've already gotten victories this year. So, Mr. Josh Berry, if you keep starting that shenanigans, you might be the new Ricky Stenhouse Jr. here in the Xfinity Series, and we don't want that because you'll be one of the most hated drivers out on the racetrack. But we shall see next week if that comes back to haunt him again. It was Jeb Burton as well as Myatt Snyder that he took out. Guys who have already locked themselves in, so if they want to get some revenge, they could next week. I don't know. But it didn't look like too many cars suffered casualties from the PJ1 compound. I mean, yeah, Harrison Burton got claimed there near the end of the race, and also Kobe Howard in the number 15 went a little too high, and then he smacked the wall. Again, one of those situations, they were waiting for that stuff to pack down, and even then, near the end of the Xfinity race, it still wasn't packed down there near the top. Another reason why a lot of people are complaining about the issues here with the PJ1 compound compound. Again, I'm talking about a lot. I think in all honesty, the way we should look at it is um, it's designed to make another lane on the racetrack. And in some races this weekend, it did. Other races, it was more of a hazard. So, I mean, in a sense, it is doing what it needs to do, but it's going to cause casualties in the race before it takes effect. I don't know how many people want to take that risk, but it seems like NASCAR wants to take that risk. So I think in the meantime, we're just along for the ride. Hopefully, um, if the Gen 7 cars can make multiple lanes, um, hopefully we don't got to worry about the PJ1 compound affecting these lower series. But we are in the Gen 6 cars, and right now it looks like NASCAR is really happy with the compound. But I still don't want to take it away from some of the drivers who finished up near the front. I mean, these guys have been the top-of-the-line drivers here in the X-Fandy Series this year. Daniel Hemrick and Brendan Jones still trying to do everything they can to get a victory here in the 2021 season. They've been very close. Uh, Brandon Jones with an amazing save near the end of the race to keep his car forward. NASCAR was so impressed they gave him a caution for sympathy. <laughs> I mean, if you saw that, he just went sideways and straightened it out. And they were like, caution, we gotta wave that shit. 
I really think NASCAR was kind of shitting themselves right there because they were really afraid of the Trey Hutchins incident and Johnny Sauter back from two weeks ago at Charlotte was about to happen again. So I think in a sense, I do understand I was going to give them grief for that, but I just meant uh, remember that right now. So maybe that's why they threw the caution. They didn't want the same incident to happen again. Still, it's one of those cautions that you kind of scratch your head on and you're like, I, I don't think we needed a yell for that. Most definitely did not need a yell for that. But it is what it is, and Kyle Busch once again gets another victory here in the Xfinity Series. And right now, some of the dominant drivers look to be Justin Allgaier, Austin Sendrick, A.J. Allmendinger, and Daniel Hemrick. I think those guys are the four most dominant guys. I mean, Noah Gregson's right on in there, but he's been struggling quite a few races. Harrison Burton kind of been a top 10 guy, and then Brandon Jones has been a little bit all over the place. But I think those are the four top drivers right now. When you look at all the racetracks we've been going to, these guys have been about head and shoulders above everyone else. Obviously, you got Kyle Busch in front of him, but Kyle Busch doesn't really count. So if things stay the way they are right now going into the playoffs, I think these are going to be the four drivers fighting it out for a championship in Phoenix. But, of course, we still got a few more races. Let's give Kyle Busch's victory, and we'll move on to Nashville here in the Xfinity Series. Now let's move on to the big one. It is time for the All-Star Race held at Texas Motor Speedway, and who was the one who brought home the million bucks? Alrighty, so before we get into the All-Star Race, let's first talk about the All-Star Open. There was a total of five cautions for 13 laps. Three drivers could make it in if they won a stage, or they could make it in with the fan vote. And the drivers who made it in were Ross Chastain. He started from the back and was able to make it all the way up to the front by the end of that stage and win it in 20 laps. Very damn impressive by that McDonald Chevrolet team. They did a really good job on that car, and well done to Ross Chastain to make it into his first ever all-star race. Then Tyler Reddick follows suit. He's been looking really good here at Texas, so this one didn't surprise me at all. But the one that did surprise me was Eric Amarola in the number 10. I wrote him off um, in this race. I did not think, no, no way he's going to make it into the all-star. I thought it was going to be Chris Busher. Chris Busher finished third, so close. I almost had the perfect trifecta there, but it is what it is. <laughs> Eric Amarola, though, looked really good in this race, and hopefully they can get some steps in the right direction, because those guys have had the worst luck ever here this season. And right now, they're basically in a win-to-get-in scenario at this point. I mean, I don't see any other way they can make it in. But Eric Amarola, at least that team got something positive to happen because they made it into the All-Star race, winning the third stage. And then Matt Bandetto, who finished second got the fan vote award and honestly it's always kind of good to see the person who finished second just short of making it into the all-star race make it in because you kind of see the top four guys from the league move on into the all-star race so I thought that was great I mean we had some good action-packed racing here in the all-star open we tend to always have it and we were a little worried on how the Texas race would be a lot of people at first were saying oh my gosh this is one of the worst races by far but in the end it really started to pick up so good for these guys the only uh thumbs down I have from this is the fact that Timmy Hill didn't get voted in why didn't you guys vote for Timmy Hill? Disappointed in all of you, especially myself, because I don't even know if I vote. Yeah, I did vote for him. I can't give myself too much grief. Yeah, all you guys. Why didn't you vote for Timmy Hill for the All-Star Race? <laughs> but that was the All-Star Open. Now it's time for the All-Star Race. Who was the victorious one? There was a lot of guys who were very competitive in this race. But in the end, it's been the guy who's been dominating the last few weeks, the number five of Kyle Larson. Three in a row now. Charlotte, Sonoma, and now the All-Star. He is your winner and collects the million bucks 
with that number five from Rick Henrik. Finishing second, we have the number two of Brad Keselowski. Finishing third is the number nine of Chase Elliott. Finishing fourth, we have the number 22 of Joey Logano. Finishing fifth is the number 12 of Ryan Blaney. Finishing sixth, we have the number 48 of Alex Bowman. Finishing seventh is the number 24 of William Byron. Finishing eighth is the number 10 of Eric Amarola. Finishing ninth is the number 18 of Kyle Busch. Finishing tenth, we have the number one of Kurt Busch. Finishing eleventh is the number 20 of Christopher Bell. Twelfth place, we got the number 34 of Michael McDowell. Thirteenth is number 19 of Martin Trex Jr. Fourteenth is number 41 of Cole Custer. Fifteenth is number four of Kevin Harvick. Sixteenth is number eight of Tyler Reddick. Seventeenth is number 21 of Matt DiBenedetto. Eighteenth is number 42 of Ross Chastain. Nineteenth is the number three of Austin Dillon. Twentieth is the number six of Ryan Newman. And round out the field in 21st position is the number 11 of Denny Hamlin. And that is your final results here for the All-Star Race held at Fort Worth, Texas. Now, this race, I was very nervous about it. I did not think it was going to be a good all-star race. The format was confusing. The racetrack wasn't that phenomenal to go to. And the PJ1 Traction Compound has been pissing everybody off who's on Twitter. So there was a lot of negative things going towards this race. However, the stages, they explained it pretty well. They didn't even use a celebrity. They actually had Mike Joy explain it, which thank goodness for that. But, you know... It wasn't nearly as confusing as I thought it was going to be. When you looked at it on paper, it was just like, blah, it was just a bunch of words together. I mean, it was still confusing at times. I mean, stage one and stage three, they would only have eight through 12 get inverted, and it was whatever the lucky draw was on how many people would get inverted and all that stuff. Then the second round was a more uh, common one that everyone knows about, a full inversion of the field. I think they should have just kept it from 12 from the very get-go. Like, no random numbers, no random chance on how many you're going to pick. Because you would have saw multiple kind of races. You would have saw races towards that 12th position, anyone 13th on back. Because then you don't get inverted at all. You get no treat for finishing back there. So there's that. And also, it rewards the guys running near the front and mixes them around to make it more like a cool little race. Because when they did the inversions, that was fun to watch. It was really fun. And that's what you want from an all-star race is fun fun and they were able to deliver on that did we need four rounds to determine what the main feature what the starting lineup was going to be no I I think three rounds would have been all right they did add that extra one which I was like okay um let's wrap this up let's get to the main feature round number five was all right I I have nothing to complain about that one a 30 lap race they got to make a pit uh, stop before lap number 20 which I feel like is fine no manipulation there at near the end of it And the 10-lap shootout was a lot of fun. It almost kind of reminded me of that race back in, what was it, 2009, where we had Ryan Newman, Kyle Busch, and Jeff Gordon fighting out three right there near the end of the race. Kind of similar to this round, and they consider that one of the most action-packed moments in All-Star history. We kind of had that again with a three-ride run there with the first three cars of Kyle Larson, uh, was it Chase Elliott and Brad Keselowski? That was really cool. That made a lot of that made me get up off my seat, and I was like, "Oh hell yeah!" And so, All Star Race at Texas, surprisingly, really good. I'm not gonna lie. Usually, the All Star Race is kind of a snoozer, and this one it kept us on top of our toes. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, I thought William Byron was gonna win it, and he, at most part, he did look like to be the guy to beat. But the restarts and tracks position trumped everything. If you had a bad restart, you were out of it. And that's what happened to William Byron. And if you weren't running in the top four, that was it. You weren't going to be going for the victory. And that's a little bit um, of a bummer. I mean, the PJ1 traction, we keep saying that. I'm sick of saying that. I'm going to have to take a shot every single time I say that. But that traction compound did go into effect when it needed to be. And it provided two lanes of racing, which was great. 
At the same time, though, it was just so hard for anyone to pass. Like, I got nothing wrong with side-by-side racing. Side-by-side racing is great. But if it's always going to end up the same way where the guy who was in front of the other person is going to stay up front no matter what the guy behind him does, it's just like, ah, it's kind of followed the leader with a little bit of congestion going on from some of the turns. And when that person was failed to make the pass, then the other person could pass right on by. So it was almost like punishing if you could not pass someone, which you really couldn't. So that's the only bummer. Uh, again, this is a Gen 6 car problem, but... As far as a Gen 6 car race, I say it was a really good one. All-Star race really delivered, provided a lot of good action. Even the pre-race show was fun. I mean, who would have thought we would have been listening to music right until they dropped the green flag? I thought that was pretty freaking cool. Well done to Fox Sports on doing that. I thought that was really cool. As well as the other camera where it actually focuses on the back straightaway with them entering turn 3. That's a cool camera angle. I hope they keep that one. Hopefully NBC spotted that and said, hey, I like that idea. Idea too. So there was a few things in the all-star race that we can really appreciate. And I think it's one of the better all-star races that we have seen in a long time. So overall, really happy about this one. I mean, yeah, the truck race and the Xfinity race wasn't that great, but the big show, the one that needed to be good was good. So well done to NASCAR and well done to the Fox Sports team. I say they did an all right um, this year. They just would not focus on any other part of the race except for the people up front. That's the biggest thumbs down I can get from them. But overall, the interaction with the announcers was fun. I really appreciated to have Clint Boyer up there in the announcer's booth. It was just funny listening to him and the way he jumped off of Mike Joy and Jeff Gordon was just a great time. So well done to Clint Boyer on that. He did a really good job up there and a lot of respect for him for going into that role because I felt like he did a better job than when Jeff Gordon moved on into there. And it looks like Jeff Gordon might be done after the end of this year. I think if he wants to stay with Rick Henrik, he's going to move on over right now rather than later. Who's going to be the replacement? I don't know. Maybe they'll have Larry McReynolds up there, and I think that would be a good mix with him and Clint Boyer. We'll see, but next week we will now go on to Nashville, and we'll be with NBC Sports. NBC Sports tends to put on some really good racings and action pack from time to time, so let's hope they do that, and hopefully they're not talking about other sports and just be like, hey, we're like this. It's like the Super Bowl, the Game 7 of the World Series, da-da-da, the World Cup of Soccer. Like It's just like, stop it. Just stop it. Just focus on the racing. That's all you got to do, and we'll be happy. Hmm. I wonder if we should do an award segment. I I know we're going to be missing an award because it doesn't really apply to this weekend. Ah, You know what? Screw it. Let's do it. All right, everybody, now it's time to move on to our award segment here with the Field Filler Podcast. We will not have a fantasy award winner because, unfortunately for us, we were having the all-star race, so no fantasy points given to our fantasy rosters. Maybe that's why the viewership was down 25% for this week. But we do have one award that's going to stay in effect, and that is the Paint Scheme Award. Who was the winner of this award? Well, it is obviously going to go to the number four of Kevin Harvick with the Bush to the Moon Paint Scheme. He's gotten multiple victories here in the paint scheme column, but unfortunately he's not been victorious here in the 2021 season. Maybe now this is going to give him more motivation to get one of those trophies by the end of the regular season. Well done, well done to him. Now let's move on to the award that you don't want to win here in the Field Filler Podcast. That is the Bum Award. The Bum Award has been described as one of the worst awards to be given to any driver any weekend. It devalues them tremendously and also makes them feel like a complete shit person. You definitely don't want to win this award, but we gotta give it to somebody... 
And the winner of such award is going to the number eight of Josh Berry. Unfortunately for Josh Berry, he took out more cars than the traction compound did in one hour. He took out none other than Jeb Burton and as well as Myatt Snyder, both drivers who were victorious and one that Vanilla Wafer really wanted to root for. But Josh Berry, you took that away from me, or, I mean, uh, Vanilla Wafers, and now he's really mad about it, and he's going to give you the Bum Award. And in his quotes, get the hell out of his podcast. All right, I'm annoyed at that voice now, and I'm pretty sure you guys got annoyed at that voice in the first five seconds, so I'll stop doing that. And what a good time, too, because now it's time for the Field Filler Award. This goes to the driver who really impressed us the most this weekend out of all the series, and you know what? I got to give it to the number 10 of Eric Amarola. You know, he's been struggling so bad this year, did not expect him at all to even compete in this race to make it into the All-Star race. Not only was he there near the front, he got a victory in stage number three, let a couple laps in the all-star race I mean well done for them they needed a step in the right direction and they definitely had it this weekend so let's give them the award they well deserve it and give the rest of these guys a round of applause And that will conclude the final segment of today's episode. Next week, we go to Nashville for the first time since I think it's been 2011, almost 10 years, and the first time ever for the Cup Series. So another brand new track on the schedule that us Cup fans are really excited. So can't wait for that, and we're going to see who we're going to be going for in that race kind of going to be a little hard to pick which drivers we want to go for because the past statistics are all past generation cars. Not even the Xfinity cars run the same cars as they did back then. But we're going to try to do our best and hopefully we got ourselves some of the best fantasy rosters here this weekend. But above all, guys, thank you so much for listening to the best and trying out all the rest. I have been able to fill up the last few remaining minutes of your time, so I'm going to take the car and pull it right on into pit road, collect my last place winnings, and I am out. So you all take care. This has been the Field Filler Podcast. <laughs>